Welcome back to the Joe Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 21. It's amazing we got to 21. We've got a uh, World Series. Actually, that's why this is going up early Sunday morning, late Saturday night. Game four of the World Series actually taking place right now. Watching it as as a recording, we got NBA, NBA and NHL trying to get through their COVID season as much as it sucks to talk about. It's just, it's really the only thing that's happening right now. NHL is kind of beyond free agency at this point. Still some notable players out there, but clearly waiting for the market. NBA kind of jumped around when we're going to start or when they want to and plan to start. Now it seems like they have a pretty, pretty solid plan in place, but we're not going to start. Well, those will be larger conversation after we're going to start the NFL just because I kind of want to give this World Series game enough time to finish so that we'll go NFL jump over the NBA NHL see what's there's a little update on what's going on there and then what over to baseball because we've got all four games once we once I mean assuming this game ends while I'm recording maybe it'll just be some live commentary you never know probably not but Let's let's get right into it. We got the NFL week 7 Thursday night game was really good and I don't think anybody expected that. I think the reason it worked was because the Giants were leading for the majority of the game. The Eagles had to play catch up and they did. They escaped with the 22-21 win. I mean, I think everyone what we're going to remember out of this game, Daniel Jones, 80-yard run trips on the 15-yard, 10, 15-yard line. Everyone's laughing at him. I think Patrick Mahomes had the best reaction saying something, I don't know, it's not a direct quote, something along the lines of, um, I want to make fun of him, but I don't think I could do the same, which is really true. Patrick Mahomes, obviously one of the most talented quarterbacks, but just as a runner, he's not, he's not a smooth runner. He is good because he had that run against Tennessee where he kind of stiff-armed a couple guys and showed good physicality for a quarterback, but he's a really awkward runner. That's why we like watching him throw. Speaking of throwing, we've got uh, a little baseball sidetrack in the top of the ninth inning right now. Kenley Jansen warming up for the Dodgers. They're up 7-6. Been a really good game, but uh, for the Dodgers, Jansen, I guess, looks better in these playoffs, but there's always that Dodger that mystique, that Dodgers magic that always, always seems to be afoot. Uh, but yeah, Thursday night, great game. Eagles move up to one, four and one, this NFC East, which we'll talk about as, I mean, the two of them played and the other two teams in that division play. God, that division is horrible. They have what? Now the Eagles have two wins. So, for six six wins combined between these four teams, which is the Steelers, Titans, or Seahawks could surpass that mark by themselves this week. Actually, let's start. Yeah, let's start in the other NFC East game. So again, we got a we had a great Thursday night game. Uh, we got Dallas going to Washington. Washington underdog home underdogs plus three and a half. Cowboys got absolutely trounced on Monday Night Football by the Cardinals. I don't know if I 
I can't remember when I recorded that, but um, Cardinals, it just wasn't even close. The Cardinals looks like the Cardinals. The Cowboys defense, I think, have given up. Uh, I can't remember what it, the exact number is, but over 30 points in every game. The defense is horrible, and Dak was actually still the leading. I think he probably still is the leading passer right now in terms of yards in the NFL right now. And he's missed. I mean, he's was out in like the third quarter of the Giants game, but missed a whole game and still leading league in passing yards. It just shows how ridiculous he had to be. And this this team is could win the division. At this point, I kind of like the Eagles better because I think they're going to get healthier, or hopefully they're going to get healthier as the year goes on. And those teams are going to have to play each other, so someone's going to have to win that division. And the Eagles tying the Bengals might make the difference. And this one, though, so yeah, Dallas going to Washington. I really, I don't know why it doesn't make sense. Picking between these two teams, You, it makes more sense to go with the safe pick, to go with the Cowboys. They are the more established team. They're 2-4. and four. Washington, they sit at 1-5. and five. They've kind of juggled around quarterbacks. Kyle Allen didn't look that bad. I think the real, not even mistake, but... Just Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, who actually, amazing news, is having his final cancer treatment Monday, which is incredible. I think he, as always, I don't think anyone denies how good of a coach he is, but he's Riverboat Ron, and he likes to go for two, and at the end of that Giants game, they kick the field goal, and or they score the late touchdown, try to get the ball back. It's just, it wasn't, not, it wasn't Kyle Allen's fault, it was just the circumstance of the game, which is for sure too bad but what are you gonna do I like Washington this week I just have a weird gut feeling if it's not I don't think it's a Cowboys blowout just because that Washington defense is really good and even if the numbers don't show they're as good when you're getting chased down by Ryan Kerrigan Chase Young Jonathan Allen Deron Payne uh, Montez Sweat they have they have this defensive line that you can swap guys out, and Chase Young just on his own is a just a menace. And I just I don't Andy Dalton, the bread rifle. If anything, he's gonna bring this Cowboys team to the playoffs only to lose to the Rams or the 49ers, even though they'll win the division and have a worse record, because whoever is the first wild card team is probably gonna win ten or eleven games because of how good that NFC West is. But yeah, I'll take Washington. I'm not confident in it. I don't like either of these teams, but I think Washington is a little due. Next up, two teams. Just This is just a great offensive matchup. We got the Detroit Lions against the Atlanta Falcons. Lions sit at 2-3. and three. Falcons are 1-5, and five, coming off their first win of the season. God, this is going to be great because these both of these teams can't hold leads. But I'm interested to see what they do against each other because, I mean, honestly, it deserves to be a tie because neither of these teams can hold leads. The only time, the only reason the Falcons did is because Kirk Cousins just kept throwing the ball to their defense. Even, uh, I don't remember which Falcon player it was, but he actually caught the interception like with his legs, like with his thigh, or maybe it was his legs, but his lower body caught the ball. That's just Kirk Cousins this year. In this game, though, 
I know the Falcons are riding high off that win. That's why I just I can't trust them. The Lions convincing win over the Jags. Both of these teams are bound to let us down. So in my head, it was whoever you pick is going to let you down. So I'm going to pick the Lions. The Falcons are favored by two and a half. I'll take the Lions. I think it's going to be a close game anyways. Whoever has the ball at the end with a chance to win, they're going to lose. Be interested to see which team it is. That's that's really the joy of this game. I hope this, whatever the over-under is for this game, I would take the over. Because I think these teams are putting up points. Next up, probably the just looking at it worst game of the week. The Buffalo Bills are traveling to New Jersey to play the Jets. The Jets, obviously home underdogs. They are 0-6. They released Le'Veon Bell, who ended up signing with Kansas City. Fire Adam Gase is a, is kind of where everybody's head's at right now. And Buffalo, they're 4-2. They lost to the Titans on a Tuesday night. They lost to Kansas City on a Monday night. It's amazing how Tennessee was bragging about their win when they kind of just screwed over the Bills that they had to keep pushing back games because they didn't have protocols and social distancing, masks, stuff like that. And everybody in the league knew it. It's just... It's weird. We'll get to the Titans, but this one, the Jets are home underdogs, plus 12 and a half. I think this honestly could be 16-17, and I would still consider taking it. I, I just don't think the Jets are good at anything. I assume Sam Darnold's... Actually, yeah, let's see if Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold's coming back, because that could make the difference. If not, it's Joe Flacco, in which you could make that spread 21, and it's still a little enticing. This is a division game, so it's that kind of trap for sure uh josh norman's out i think it was from the stiff arm that's that's my guess um sam darnold not even listed on the injury report let's see the full injury report i guess maybe he's still he has shoulder issues i think really no matter what i don't know oh i got the full all right let's look at the new york jets uh, Sam Darnold to questionable with the shoulder. Whether he plays or not, I'm going to take the Bills. I'll take the minus 12.5. Again, I think right now it's 13 or 14. I'll still take it. The Bills are going to be competing for the division crown, and the Jets are going to be hoping Trevor Lawrence doesn't stay at Clemson this year. Next up, uh, another division matchup. We got actually a rematch of earlier this year, the Cleveland Browns. They're sitting at 4-2. and two. They're visiting Cincinnati at 1-4-1. and one. Cincinnati's plus 3.5. I really I don't know why I'm doing this because we see what this matchup already was. Cincinnati is at home, home underdog 3.5. I like the Bengals to cover as as crazy as it sounds. This could be a last-second decision where I go, why Why would I do that? But the Browns really let everyone down. Not me, because I picked the Steelers and bet on the Steelers. Um, Cleveland, though, they were 4-1. and one. Everything was looking in their favor. They score one touchdown and lose 38-7 to a better Pittsburgh team. And that's the thing. They're going to be good. They could be a playoff team, but they're not going to win the division just because of Pittsburgh and Baltimore, which going forward, that's going to be great. I do like the Browns to win. I think their defense is kind of, it's going to terrorize 
poor Joe Burrow. He's got good weapons. AJ Green looks like a shell of himself, but beyond that, still good weapons, not really great weapons. And I assume Joe Mixon isn't playing. He uh, is out. He has a foot injury. He is sitting out the early portion of Friday's practice. I think the real interesting story has been John Ross, who before he broke the, or I should say when he was coming into the NFL, he broke the uh, 40-yard dash record for 4-2-2, is now looking for a trade or requesting a trade. He doesn't get the wherewithal, the work that he thinks he deserves. I can't can't uh, discredit him for that. Uh, wow, we just had another baseball interruption. Kevin Kiermaier just absolutely shattered his bat and got a single, bottom of the ninth, one out. But, uh, yeah, Cincinnati, Carolina, Cincinnati, Carolina, Cincinnati, Cleveland. I got one of the game, one of the teams, right? I think it's going to depend on Baker if he is still, I mean, he said the injury wasn't affecting him, but the fact that we knew about it and saw how he played, Got replaced by Case Keenum. We find out tomorrow there's no Baker. Then he's not listed on the injury report. But if it's no Baker last second, I might have to pick the Bengals. Next up, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers visiting Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Texans plus three and a half at home. I think this is a classic. Green Bay got embarrassed last week by Tampa Bay. Houston. Got the win, and Romeo Cornell, who became the oldest NFL coach, won the first game, let down in the second. I think both of these teams are going to be hungry for this win, and I think the hungrier team is going to be the one that lost their first game of the year and looks bound to make the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. I'm taking the Packers. Minus 3.5 to me isn't isn't crazy. Deshaun Watson can keep it close, but I don't know if he's 3.5 close, which is too bad because he... If he had talented, if he had talented weapons, this they could be battling for the division. And now, it looks like they're gonna have to look in the top ten of draft boards. Obviously, I don't want that for Deshaun Watson, but he needs weapons. Next up, Carolina at New Orleans. New Orleans minus seven and a half. I don't think we can really say that we've seen the real Saints yet. They are three and two. Michael Thomas looks like he's coming back. That's what the handy dandy injury report is for, because who really knows? Oh, out. Never mind. Not playing. But before he wasn't playing, he got an altercation with teammate. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, although NFL insiders said that he could be traded, and Sean Payton directly responded to it and said, well, those insiders are outside of this room, so they don't know what they're talking about, which I thought it's a great response for your coach, especially putting your faith in your number one wide receiver. Um, so New Orleans favored by seven and a half. They're three and two coming off a bye. I guess that's why we're supposed to believe they're going to blow out the Panthers, but I know they don't have Christian McCaffrey, but they were in that Bears game. They just couldn't capitalize. I like the Saints to win. Even that to me is a, is close. 
but give me the plus seven and a half of the Panthers. I think Teddy two gloves coming back to face the Saints. I think he's going to keep this game close. Next up, uh, I guess we're moving, eh, maybe not to the four o'clock games, but the undefeated teams, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Tennessee Titans, still in the one o'clock window. Um, Tennessee plus two and a half. The Steelers, to me, I know I uh, started doing weekly power rankings just on how I felt the teams were doing. You can check that out at uh, jack-dion99.blogspot.com. You can find NFL picks, Monday, Thursday, Sunday picks, talking about the World Series. Obviously, once the other sports come back, I'll talk about them as I can. I had Pittsburgh 3 behind Seattle and Kansas City. I think this Pittsburgh team was really impressive the way they just beat down Cleveland. And Minka Fitzpatrick is still taking smelling salts with like seven minutes left of a blowout game. I think the Steelers' defense is legit. I think Big Ben is back in some form. I don't know, come November, December, if he's going to still be intact. But... For now, I believe in the Steelers team. I think the Titans are where they are because of extra rest they got, which really seems like something. I mean, Mike Frabel did a great thing last week where he took an intentional penalty to save time in order to give his team more time on the clock when they had their final drive to send it to overtime. And obviously you have Derrick Henry, who had a ridiculous game. I see I see the path where the Titans win. I just I like the Steelers. I think they're good. I'll take the Titans plus two and a half. I think it's a close game, but I really think the Steelers take it. Next up Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're visiting Las Vegas and the Raiders. Raiders. Home underdogs plus two and a half. A lot of home underdogs this week. Um so Las Vegas is missing Jonathan Abram, one of their better safeties, and their entire offensive line, who are on the COVID-19 restriction, whatever list it is. But I think that's huge. I think this Bucks defense terrorized Aaron Rodgers. I don't really want to know what they're going to do to Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. Missing your entire offensive line. The Packers had their offensive line intact and got destroyed. And Dominican Sue, I kind of forgot about him until he sacked Aaron Rodgers. And I remember the history that they have since he was on the Lions. But man, the Bucks minus three and a half on the road. Their defense is, at least their, their secondary is pretty good, but their pass rush is ridiculous. So I'll take the Bucks. I'll take the minus three and a half. I'm really, I'm not really scared of that. I, honestly could get it higher but I mean if that's what if that's what I got it at then I'm fine with that and this comes oh almost almost the end of the game four not trying to get too drive actually I haven't been as distracted as I thought I've been I've been there's definitely pauses that I just haven't noticed but next up Kansas City the Chiefs they're going two mile high Denver I think it's already snowing there I I really don't know all I see is people talking about Patrick Mahomes in a snow game so I assume that's what's coming 
Broncos plus eight and a half. Broncos coming off that big win against New England where Brandon McManus, their kicker, got all of the points. For this game, I just, they're setting Chiefs, they're always setting Chiefs lines right outside. I mean, obviously, it's their job to set it right outside where I want it, but eight and a half, Drew Locke's back. This offense is still pretty good. Defense, neither of these defenses are great. I'll take the Chiefs to win because that's what they do at this point. They're kind of, it feels like, not that they're coasting, because obviously they're a football team, they're going to try their hearts out, but it seems like they're not ready to really unleash their offense until December and January. So yeah, Chiefs Chiefs get the win, but I like the Broncos to cover. I think a division game is going to be close. I know I just kind of said the opposite for other games, but I just... I like Drew Locke. I think this offense is good enough to keep it close. Next up, Jimmy Garoppolo Bowl. San Francisco 49ers coming off that big Sunday night win against the Rams. They're visiting the New England Patriots. Patriots minus two and a half at home. Again, the Pats coming off that loss to the Broncos. This is this is an interesting one. It's it's kind of teams that are off are we thinking the Niners are back and they're back in playoff contention? I mean, they're back in playoff contention, but are they really back? Are are we really this down on the Patriots? I think we kind of doubt these. We overreact too much in terms of these two teams. I didn't really like put these teams that high of their, I put San Francisco 18. I put New England at 15 and, I think that's the perfect spot for both of those teams. I, I'm going to take the Niners. I, I just, something about Jimmy G. I know Belichick knows him well, but I don't know. I just, this Niners defense, I think just the Patriots are a step behind. Maybe an extra week of practice for Cam helps them out. I think for sure this is going to be the close a close game, and the close game made me think, okay, just take the points then. Take take the Niners. Next up, Jacksonville. The Jaguars going to Los Angeles face the Chargers. Chargers minus eight and a half. Chargers this is this is to me I don't like paying attention to spread records and that too much. But the Chargers are four and one. To me, that's more than impressive and opposite of their one and four record eight and a half to me is a little stiff I think Gardner Minshew keeps jag the Jags in these games as they are one and five I think they're one of the worst teams they're gonna have a top six top seven pick in this draft but I like the Chargers to win weirdly enough Herbert could be Justin Herbert's first win as impressed as we've been with him Hasn't won a game yet. Had that overtime against the Saints. Like, just, he's been in every game, been in good games, especially, I mean, on his resume, it's already the Chiefs and the Saints brought both of those teams to overtime. But, yeah, give me the Chargers. I don't like the eight and a half. It's too much. Uh, I'll take the Jags. I'll take the Jags with the points. But I think the Chargers are the better team. I thought they would suffer a lot more without Derwin James they seem to have managed enough and Herbert's got weapons I think that's really really what makes the difference in this one as 
we're kind of in a weird spot right now of World Series Game 4. They have both of their starters. The Tampa Bay Rays are up to bat and bottom of the ninth with two outs, and they have their starters warming up at the bullpen if they extend this game. Uh, but let's move on. Sunday night, Seattle at Arizona. Arizona plus two and a half or plus three and a half. This is going to be such a good game. I'm just, I pause just because of how excited I am to watch Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray. Both of these defenses aren't very good. I could really see this lighting up scoreboards. And in that case, even though it's three and a half, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm still taking the Seahawks. They're five and oh, they showed me everything that they had as the Rays are about to go and tie this game. Um. Oh, oh, and they were going to. Win. Oh my God! Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay, Tampa Bay just walked off this game after multiple throwing errors. That is absolutely crazy. But wow, that's that's nuts. Um, I'm really glad I caught this moment live because obviously, once we get to the World Series, I'll talk about it. But man, that was. I might have to watch that again after I'm done recording this because that was just chaos. But Seattle, Arizona, good game. Offensive shootout. Give me the Seahawks. MVP Russell Wilson. Every week I'm going to say it. I picked him before the year and he hasn't proved me wrong yet. Finally for the NFL, Monday night, Chicago Bears, 5-1. and one. Fish in the LA Rams are at 4-2, I don't think. We really predicted either of these teams would be at the place they are. I thought the Rams would be good. I didn't think they'd be as good as they looked. Their two losses coming against the 49ers and the Bills, in which the Bills almost blew a 25-point lead, and the Niners kind of just dom- not dominated, dominated them, but were in complete control. This one's going to be so... This is another one. Defenses... The Bears' defense is amazing. I I was complaining about the Panthers not scoring, but it was just because the Bears' defense is so good, and especially in that in the red zone, they just they don't seem to allow anything. This is another game. This is the one I thought of with the Lions and the and the Falcons. No matter who you choose, they're probably going to let you down. So, with that being said, five and a half. I'll take the Bears to cover, but I'm going to take the Rams to win. I think this is a closer game than five and a half points, and who who really knows? This is, it's especially Monday night, it's going to get weird. So yeah, episode, the next episode will be late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, somewhere somewhere in that range. Uh, after, kind of see where we are in sports, if we, if Monday night, because that'll be an off day for the World Series, I'm pretty sure. Um... Uh, is it an off day? Yeah, Monday's the off day, so say so yeah, Monday night, Tuesday. So it'd be after Monday night football, probably. Be ready for that. Um, let's move on now. So the NBA and the NHL. Let's start in the NBA because we don't have as much. We don't really have much detail on either of these. So the NBA had board of governors meeting meeting Friday to talk about when the season would start so at some point we kind of got caught of 
could have been March that this NBA season started just because they want fans, which is fair. I mean, obviously, this is about money. This is what the argument is. Then it kind of became Christmas Day, maybe. They haven't even had free agency yet. I just don't really find that realistic. And then Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I mean, we have at least a range. So now... This is what, and good for, this is this is also what's fun about the NBA is that we always have these battles of who's going to be able to report things faster, and the battle now is between Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, so well, uh, Shams, I think, is out of the athletic. So no, we're looking at no 82-game season, which is good. We don't, we don't really need that at all. Players are going to rest anyways, so... This is what Shams of The Athletic and Stadium reported the NBA is targeting a December 22nd start date. That means we got to have free agency kind of as soon as possible. My thought was if we're starting this in March, why don't we have free agency on Christmas Day? Like how fun that would that be if everyone could be at home? You don't need you don't need them to be playing any games. They can be with their families. You send them a camera and they're going to announce where they're signing. I think that's, it would have been fun. So December 22nd, 72 game season that would end before the 2021 summer Olympics, which I think is the right choice because you, why wouldn't you want to grow this sport globally? And you have, obviously you can send, I mean, probably all the Americans won't want to go, but if you get enough of them, you get four or five of them, you at least have a starting and closing lineup, you're going to be, the U.S. will be fine. They can cruise to a gold medal. I mean, we saw it in the World Championships that if you just kind of, they threw a bunch of young guys together and it didn't work, but if it's like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, LeBron, LeBron could be your center, Anthony Davis, like they just, those veteran guys that have, played in the Olympics or want to play in the Olympics, they're going to be fine. Um, apparently also that the league wants to continue to use the play-in tournament that they used in the bubble. So the eight faces of the nine seed. If the eight seed wins one game, then they move on to the playoffs. The nine seed has to win two games, which we only saw in the bubble. We saw one game in which Portland a depleted Memphis team they faced in the first game of the bubble and then Portland ended Memphis's season I think there's no shame in that especially if you're trapped because with the bubble it made sense because everyone's in the same place but even if you're traveling whoever the eight seed is they get both home games so if you're the nine seed you want to make the playoffs you have to win two road games I think that's that's easy you can give them a day in between and you can plan it out where you go east-west, east-west. So you get a day off in between, and you get a game every day before the playoffs, and you give those other, the higher seeds that have already earned their, or punched their ticket, they they get a few extra days off. So that's really, I mean, this whole, like, season, this whole, like, plan is trying to make sure 2021, 2022 is fine, which if they do this, they finish before the Olympics. That's that's their regular schedule pretty much. Send guys to the Olympics, give them a couple months off, and then come 
end of October, early November, you could start the season again. 82 games and you're back on regular schedule. So the NBA draft is scheduled for November 18th. With that, you have to assume free agency is going to be like American Thanksgiving weekend around there. Kind of a awkward time, but they always do that because like 4th of July, like there's kind of always what the NBA does. That's all the NBA really... They're just kind of talking right now. I would imagine it's not going to happen December 22nd. And that sometime in January is where where this is going to sort of land. The other one that we have a little more clarity, the NHL wants to start January 1st. Not a problem. They canceled the All-Star game and the Winter Classic, which sucks. But you just have to be safe this year. It's just how it has to be the other thing we've gotten is possibly new divisions which they're trying to limit travel trying to make sure everything is safe for the players i have to get my laptop charger um and make a bunch of noise while i grab it um so the nhl it looks like they would break it down into four divisions which it's pretty smart. So first we have the Canadian division. So obviously Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, just because there's travel restrictions right now. And these American teams wouldn't be allowed into Canada. So it makes sense. It's a lot of travel, especially if you're going from, I mean, obviously you just have to look at the furthest point, Montreal to Vancouver. That's a pretty long trip, but I guess you're staying within the country. So it's a little safer. I don't know how you could feel safe in this season, really. Uh, the Western Division, so Anaheim, L.A., San Jose, Arizona, Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. Again, you have to think about there's it's it spreads across the, most of the country, but it's kind of hard for the Western Conference because they don't really have teams that close. Obviously, that you have a five-team clump there of the three California teams, San Jose, LA, Anaheim, Vegas, Arizona, not that far away. Colorado gets a little further, going a little bit north, a little bit northeast, and then very south to Dallas. So again, you have to think about going from Dallas to San Jose. And then Minnesota is pretty much in Canada. Like that's how high it is. Like it's honestly a little bit, it's somewhere in between on the map, like just on a linear line between Toronto and Ottawa. And obviously, it's pretty close to Winnipeg. It's too bad there isn't another team a little more west that you could let Minnesota be in an eastern division. I know, but like if you look at how close they are, Minnesota to St. Louis or Chicago, it's be easier for them to travel that way instead of San Jose, L.A., Anaheim. Although I imagine they're gonna they're gonna stack the schedule where you only have to travel to the West Coast once or twice if you're in Minnesota. I assume they're also not really going to like send Eastern Conference teams West. I imagine, at least I would think, you just play this whole season within your division. Well, especially if travel restrictions don't let teams into Canada. Like, can't really, can't really say, okay, Vancouver, go play San Jose. It's just they're close, but it's not realistic. The third division is the central or southern division. I don't know what you want to call it. I saw one um, 
one version of this that didn't make sense. So the, this is the division that I have now that makes a lot more sense. So it's Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, who were already at division at one point, just Detroit moved east um, to those five. And then Carolina, Tampa, Florida, which again, they're just in an awkward point. You can't really just put like Dallas, Nashville, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, all in a division. It's kind of, it's kind of awkward, but again, those five teams were already in a division. So the, the way I saw it had Buffalo and Boston in this division. And if you just, I'm just, I'm looking at a map right now. Buffalo is touching Toronto and Boston is way closer to the last division, which is, I used to call it the Eastern division, but this division makes sense. Obviously, you have to have someone go to Florida. Detroit to Florida isn't really a great trip. That's the farthest you have to go, but it's at least a little more condensed than that Western division. And the final division, uh, Buffalo, Boston, the New York Rangers, Islanders, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Washington, Pittsburgh. That's pretty much already a whole division Really, you're only missing Columbus and Carolina out of the actual Metropolitan Division. You add Buffalo and Boston, which are not that far away. This is the best division just because it's so condensed. And they're not going to have to travel much. Especially if you're... Because actually the furthest south team is Washington. So they go on a road trip where it's Philly, New Jersey, both New York's and Boston. It's just It's a pretty straight line. Buffalo's the only team that's really out of the way, and they're not that far away from, like, Pittsburgh. So those are the divisions. It's it's cool. It's it's something. It's less travel. It's safer. It's what you kind of need for this year. But you need to figure out for the year after that, like, what's your, what's your game plan? Because it's... Um, it's not realistic to just kind of bank on these divisions. Like you can't have Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. You can't have just them specifically in a division together unless this travel, unless the travel restrictions really remain. That's really like, it's just, it's unfortunate, but what can you do? It's, it's a it's a pandemic it's a virus it's let's move on let's let's not stick on the nba let's go to the world series we got through four games fourth game ended mere minutes ago but let's we got to go back game one world series the dodgers take down the rays eight to three wasn't really that close clayton kershaw gets the win i think i mean i'm it's definitely a thing I've thought of. Of just, I'm tired of hearing about how these guys are bad. Clayton Kershaw, by no stretch, is a bad pitcher. There's a couple of years ago where I would argue Madison Bumgarner was a better pitcher, but Kershaw losing in the playoffs wasn't his fault. The only time it was just horrible and sadly kind of comical was last year against Washington when he was pitching outstanding and then gave up back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches to Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. 
that's really the only time it was ever like, ooh, that's that's not good. But six innings strong. Uh, fourth inning, Cody Bellinger, two-run shot. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer in the fifth, solo home run. Max Muncy. Uh, bottom of the fifth is the biggest scoring for the Dodgers. Max Muncy grounds into fielder's choice, scores Mookie Betts. Um, Will Smith singles, scores Corey Seager. Chris Taylor singles, scores Max Muncy. Kike Hernandez singles, scores Will Smith. Just kind of moving ducks on the pond at that point. Bottom of the fifth throw up 6-1. It's kind of already out of reach. Mookie Betts solo shot to right in the sixth. Max Muncy doubles to deep right center. Justin Turner scores. It's 8-1. Mike Rosso comes in. He singles in Manuel Margot. 8-2. Kevin Kiermaier singles, scores Joey Wendell. 8-3, and that's in the seventh. Tyler Glasnow gets the the loss. Four and a third innings pitched. Six earned runs. Six walks. Not a great performance then. The Dodgers just kind of luckily pieced it together. Dylan Floro, a third of one third of an inning. Uh, Victor Gonzalez, two thirds of an inning. Pedro Baez, one inning. Joe Kelly, one inning, and they make it work. For the Rays, Ryan Yarbrough, uh, two thirds of an inning. Fleming comes in, two and two thirds. John Curtis, a third of an inning, and Dodgers were the home team, so no bottom of the ninth. Dodgers go up one nothing in the series. Game two. Rays come back. They take game two six to four. Nick Anderson getting the win. Tony Goslin with the loss. Diego Castillo with the save. The one third of an inning save. Funny enough. Uh top of the first, Brendan Lau gets off the Schneid solo home run. One nothing. Then Joey Wendell double into deep right center. Manuel Margot and G-Man Choi score 3-0. Brendan Lau, top of the fifth, two-run shot, 5-0. Chris Taylor, two-run shot in the bottom half of the fifth, 5-2. There was the foul ball that was caught by a fan. It was pretty impressive. And then I think it was, uh, yeah, top of the sixth. Uh, Sorry, top of the sixth, Joey Wendell, sack fly, scores G-Man Choi. Which G-Man Choi, there's there's a few guys where you have to... It's not something you think of, but G-Man Choi, Kyle Schwarber are the two guys in my head that don't really look athletic, but they're quick and nimble. Like, G-Man Choi looks like one of the best base runners. Maybe not in the league, but just he's a really good base runner. Uh, Bottom of the six, Will Smith hits a home run to left, and the fan catches the ball. You can clearly tell he hasn't been to a baseball game long enough that he just kind of starts celebrating. He throws his glove, and it ends up in left field. Or I think, I don't know if Randy Rosarena, who was in left at the time, I don't know if he caught it or just kind of fell in front of him. But it is what happened, and it was honestly really funny. A really funny moment because Rosarena had to throw his glove back to him, and then they would cut to him, and he's on the phone with people. Everyone's calling him, hey, you're on TV. I saw you do that. <laughs> so funny. It was honestly a great moment. And Joe Buck, who... The week Joe Buck has had where he calls game six of Dodgers Braves. Then he goes from Texas to Tampa, calls the 
Green Bay Packers Tampa Bay Bucks game, which sucks because they should have just hold them in the middle of the game and just let them call game seven of that Dodgers Brave series. Take that out. Um, then he goes Monday. He has to go to Buffalo for the Chiefs Bills game. Tuesday's back World Series game one and two, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, he goes to Philadelphia for uh, Giants Eagles. And Friday, Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday's at the World Series. I don't know what he's doing tomorrow, but clearly he's got work. Let's see. Let's see what Joe, Joe Buck's doing tomorrow. Because I think it's kind of going to be hard for him to uh like go back and forth like I, I don't even know what the um like what the I guess maybe what the whatever the prime time or not prime time but like the four o'clock Fox game is usually the NFL game that he does Oh, now I forget what game. Okay, I'm going to look. Um, so, yeah, game. Oh, sorry. I forgot. Corey Seager hits a so – Will Smith, Corey Seager hit home runs in the sixth and the eighth inning. 6-4. Again, this game, they don't really feel that close. Tony Gosselin gets the loss, even though he pitched an inning and a third. Because then Dylan Floro, Gonzalez, Dustin May, Joe Kelly – Alex Wood, Jake McGee off kind of finished the game off. Blake Snell, four and two thirds. Just dominated the Dodgers pitching. And then once they pulled him, Nick Anderson, who actually gets the win. Uh, Pete Fairbanks, inning and two thirds. Aaron Loop with the hold. Diego Castillo with the one out save. It was impressive. Those first four, and, well, obviously, four and two thirds were. Until he gave, obviously, until he gave up the home run. He had, he had shut them down. Um, Joe Buck. So, the Fox game is either Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Oh, it is Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. I don't, honestly, I, I love Joe Buck. I think he gets hate for no reason. I think there are a lot of people in the sports world, but... It's not not here now to talk about it, but he's one of them. Just, this is just don't hate on him. Just let him. He does great. I haven't. I actually wasn't watching the game on Fox, the World Series game tonight. But every other game, or when I can watch it on Fox, I do because I think Joe Buck is actually great at baseball. Uh, that was game two. Game three, which was last night, Friday night, whatever you want to call it. The Dodgers take down the Rays 6-2. Walker Bueller, unbelievable performance. Six innings, one earned run, 10 strikeouts, one walk. Kind of felt like he could have gone longer than Blake Trinan, uh, Buster Gratterall, and Kenley Jansen come in to finish the game off. Charlie Morton gets the loss, kind of his, I mean, his fall down to earth, four and one third, seven hits, five earned runs. Not really much you can do beyond beyond that. Curtis comes in and in two thirds gives up a home run, and then uh, Sheriff Thompson and McClanahan come in, stop the bleeding for the Rays, but still come off with the loss, down two one in the series. 
uh, all scoring early from the Dodgers. Dustin Turner, home run in the first. Max Muncy single scores Corey Seager and Justin Turner in the third. Austin Barnes sack fly. Cody Ballinger scores. Mookie Betts singles to score Jock Peterson in the fourth. Uh, Willie Adamas doubles to score Manuel Margot. Austin Barnes home run in the sixth. And then Randy Rosarena, who has definitely gotten back to his earlier playoff form and Hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth off Kenley Jansen, who we saw Kenley Jansen again tonight. And I think I actually, I might have to go back and listen to this because I'm pretty sure I talked about Kenley Jansen warming up and that's, he's been great, but there's always this kind of dark cloud looming over him that he could blow it. And if you watch that World Series game, it's not his fault that they lost that. It was kind of, that last play was a shit show. So now I can call this explicit, but it was an absolute clusterfuck like there's no other way you can say it uh so that was game three game four which literally just finished it's definitely been the best game of the series games one through three weren't really that close uh the rays do take it though eight to seven let's get because there's quite a bit of scoring to get to justin turner Corey seager hit home runs in the first and the third Two nothing, Randy Rosarena, he ties the playoff record for most home runs with eight. Uh, Corey Seager hit his, actually no, Rosarena hit his eighth last night, so he hit his ninth, which actually gives him the record, and Corey Seager hit his eighth home run. So funny enough, uh, so two one, Max Muncy. Singles gets thrown out at second, but Corey Seager scores. Bottom half of the fifth, Hunter Renfro solo shot, 444 feet. It was an absolute bomb. 3-2. Kike Hernandez doubles to score Will Smith, 4-2. Brandon Lau, who got himself off the schneid. I think he was hitting like 107 going into the last game. Hits two home runs last night. Hits another one tonight. Three-run shot in the bottom half of the sixth. With Randy Rosarena and G-Man Choi on, it kind of seems like the role should be reversed in some form, but 5-4 for the Rays, top of the seventh. Jock Peterson singles, scores just, uh, Corey Seager, Justin Turner scores, but Cody Bellinger gets caught in a rundown, tries to sp- pull a spin move kind of on Yandy Diaz, but 6-5 for the Dodgers. Kevin Kiermeyer in the bottom half of the seventh hits a whole solo shot to right field, 6-6. Uh, top half of the eighth, Corey Seager singles to left center, uh, Taylor scores, and then the bottom of the ninth, which there's there's so much, and I, I love this World Series just because the amount of chess play that has to go on between these two managers, even with a designated hitter, it's just, to me, really impressive. I, I love watching it, and I know everyone hates pitching changes, but bringing a guy up to bat, and I think it's more Tampa Bay that does this, bringing a guy up to bat, and then the other team changes their pitcher, so then you switch your batter. It's smart because the pitcher has to be in for three batters. There's no rule about taking out a batter before he even takes a swing. And then bottom of the ninth, Kevin Kiermeyer and Randy Rosarena both get on on Kenley Jansen. From what I saw, I'm actually I'm gonna watch it again and kind of 
try to explain what happened. So it's Brett Phillips. I feel bad. I don't want, don't want to get his name wrong, actually, because, I mean, he had the biggest he had the biggest hit of the game. Um, Brett Phillips, yep. Brett Phillips. Um, okay, or not. Or don't load. Um, so, again, we're in the ninth inning. I'm trying to just set this up. Um, what's happening? Okay, or not. Um, I'll just pull it up on my phone and watch it kind of that way. Um, so again, we're in the bottom of the ninth. The Rays are down by one. There are two outs. And Kenley Jansen's trying to close out the game. It is, uh, again, Brett Phillips, who kind of seemed like he was brought in for, um, just brought in for defensive or maybe even just getting guys rest, but uh, okay. So Kenley Jansen pitch goes in a right field. The one run scores easily. And then this isn't a good angle of it, but the ball comes into Max Muncy. I think that's Max Muncy. Muncy throws it in. Will Smith tries to, he tries to corral the ball and as he catches it, he swings it and loses it. It goes off the umpire, but even crazier than that, Randy Rosarena was already more than halfway to home plate. He kind of, he like trips and stumbles. Um, and he kind of like spins it off, gets back up. Let's see. That's from, I feel bad just like saying from what I remember, but I was kind of also trying to record as watching. Okay. This is a better angle. Phillips in the center. Chris Taylor gets it. He bobbles it. So, uh, Kiermaier scores easily. Rosarena kind of trips over himself. He's halfway. His helmet's off. It bounces off Will Smith. And Rosarena slides in and is just kind of slapping the base as he did it. The Rays walk it off. The series is tied at two. Brett Phillips just runs around the field. And an absolute chaos is the only way I could describe it. That I, My reaction wasn't good enough for what that was. Just absolute pandemonium craziness so now series tied at two if the Dodgers and they looked in control of that game if they went up 3-1 that might have that might have really been it for the Rays if they went to extra innings they were ready to put out Blake Snell or Tyler Glass now which I guess is good you can pitch one inning or a few if you really need them to now game five this is the swing game this is it's going to be awesome. It's going up against Sunday night football, which kind of sucks, but it's it's one where I know not many people would make this choice, but if I can't watch them both, I would probably pick the World Series game because we just saw what happened there. The series has been so high scoring and none of the games really been that close, but that was the best game of the of the series so far. I mean, going forward, this is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be Glasnow and Kershaw up in Game 5, and this chess match is just going to get better and better. And if you want to check out what I think, see who I'm picking. I've picked the Rays in every game. My mind is tempting to go to... It's 
it's thinking Dodgers right now. Not fully confident, but we'll just have to see come game time, see what the lineups are, because if you look at it, the Dodgers made one substitution, and that was A.J. Pollock, uh, or Jock Peterson in for A.J. Pollock. Um, the only guy that I think finished... Okay, there's... Okay, a few guys that came that actually finished the game, but a Rosarina, Lau, Adamas, Renfro, Zanino, Kiermeyer. No, not even Zanino. Zanino, uh, uh, Satsugo came in and pitched hit, pinch hit for Zanino. So I guess that kind of counts, but I guess defensively it wouldn't really have made a difference. But Kiermeyer too. I guess it's kind of just their mainstays that we're in the game at the end that's amazing that brett brett phillips was the pinch hitter for g-man Choi, who pinch hit for mike brasso because kevin cash wanted this game to be all right handers against julio arias who four and two thirds definitely not bad by any st- uh, any stretch blake trennan pedro Baez, adam cleric buster gratterall all get holds and then kenley jansen said it earlier blown save gets the loss it's too bad it's not really his fault but it's just the way it goes sometimes Ryan Yarbrough three and a third inning pretty good uh is it Ryan Thompson I want to make sure I get that right uh yeah Ryan Thompson comes in for two-thirds of an inning Pete Fairbanks Diego Castillo both come in for an inning uh Aaron Loop only a third of an inning oh I felt like he was in for more um uh, he gets a hold, Nick Anderson. I don't even know what B is. He comes in for an inning and a third. And then John Curtis gets the win. Inning and a third. Not really what I think we expected, but absolute chaos and the best case scenario for the series to be at two two. And we're getting at least two more games. So that's the silver lining of this season of this baseball season is at least we're getting a great World Series of the two best teams in baseball. So that about wraps it up. You can check out Dion Family Network on Instagram. You can check out our Instagrams. They'll be in the description and on the network's Instagram. You can find the blog, jack-dion99.blogspot.com. Again, it'll be in the description. Same with anywhere you can find your podcast. All the links for that. And besides that, we will see you next time.